0: Welcome back. This is Eric Wright, the host of the Disco Posse podcast. Thank you for listening. You are in for a fun one. This is Matthew Hunt. He is the automation wolf, and he is somebody who I really, really thoroughly enjoyed a conversation with. We talk about the concept of creating snackable content for LinkedIn. Look, you got to go check it out. Absolutely. This is a great way to get your voice out there, get awareness and take your message to the world without you having to overthink how to get it there. So Matthew and his team do a great job. We cover the gamut on a ton of different stuff in this conversation. So if you're at all interested in using social media and getting your message out there and your founder, if you're just a human, you want to check this out. All right. Anyways, in the meantime, I also have to give a huge thanks and a shout out to the fine folks at Veeam Software who are making so much of this podcast possible. We're in like, this is episode 209, that's crazy. And this is because I know that I've got the support of a great community and also great platforms that I thoroughly believe in. If you wanna check out everything that you need for your data protection needs, regardless whether it's in the cloud, on-premises, it's cloud native, containerized, Office 365, Microsoft Teams, there's stuff that you are gonna lose that you don't even realize is at risk. Ransomware, RIP ransomware, hello Veeam. It's just that easy. Go to vee.am forward slash disco posse. You can check it out. And I definitely recommend you also go on the old Wayback Machine. And I had Danny Allen, who's the CTO of Veeam on the the show. It was just fun to chat with Danny. So highly recommended. So go check it out. Go to vee.am forward slash disco posse. We got a big year ahead. Let's make sure that we're protected all the way through. Speaking of protected, don't forget to protect your life, your identity, and your data in transit. I'm a user of VPNs because there's a lot of weird stuff out there. There's a lot of bad people out there. There's a lot of bad technology out there. So if you can, protect yourself in every possible way. I use ExpressVPN, I recommend it. So if you wanna to go to try expressvpn.com forward slash disco posse, you can see why I use it. And uh, hopefully you dig it as much as I do. Oh, and one more thing, I also have a coffee company and I think it's really good coffee. It's also amazing swag. It's so devilishly good. I recommend that you go to diabolicalcoffee.com. There you go, full disclosure, it's my company, but it's great coffee, I love it. I drink a bunch of it and also amazing shirts, amazing hats, but talk about amazing, here's Matthew Hunt.
1: This is Matthew Hunt, I'm the founder of Automation Wolf and I help busy CEOs and founders create all of their social media content in one hour. You're listening to Matthew and Eric Wright at the Disco Posse Posse Podcast.
0: Now, the funny thing when I saw your name come up, Matthew, and now finding out that we are fellow Canadians, always a bonus when you get to uh, share some Canuck airspace, even though we're on different sides of the 49th at the moment, (laughs) I love what you're doing and I love the name. Uh, You know, the first thing I saw when I saw Automation Wolf... And your your tagline about you know being able to get people there in 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 one hour. I just thought of like the Winston Wolf. You know, you know, you're two hours away. I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that's kind of where it's at. And looking at the folks that talk about what they do with you, Matthew, it's it's working. And so yeah. I got a ton that I want to dig in with you about what you're doing, how you came to do this, and, and really what the huge opportunity is for businesses to turn content into opportunity and, and how to do it in the most effective way.
1: Sure. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it.
0: So for folks that are new to you, because they haven't had a chance to be able to study your bio and, and look over your content like I have in advance... Uh, if you want to give a quick intro and then we'll jump into uh what it is that that you are are getting people doing
1: yeah sure so um I'm a three-time business owner now um they've all been agencies and so I exited two of them one in 2010 and one in or one in 2014 and 2018 I started the first one in 2010 And I'm a a glutton for punishment. I just can't get enough of it. So I decided to do it it all over again and start a new one in in 2020. And so 2020 was sort of figuring out what the product market fit was. And then 2021 is the startup stage. 2022 is stay up. And then 2023 will be scale up. Um, So that's where we are with the company right now. But this business, at the end of the day, came about from a real problem that I was experiencing in my previous two businesses, and I noticed that a lot of my peers, first-time founders and CEOs, or really any CEO or founder at the end of the day, anyone who's just extremely busy had this problem. And there's just not enough minutes in every single day to get it all done. And the, the one non-renewable resource that everybody has is time. And so I was looking to solve that problem because most of my clients right now, they all know how to do it. They even know what they need to do. It's just a matter of, they just don't have enough time to do it. So I was, I was on a mission to solve that problem. And so they all know they need to build a personal brand and most of them know that it needs to be done on LinkedIn. If you're a CEO or founder and they know it's all about being consistent. Um, but their problem was being very inconsistent or being able to find someone, even if they wanted to find someone who would ghostwrite for them to do it for them, it's hard to find their voice. <laughs> so I said, ah, I think I know the solution to this. We'll, we'll lead with video as the lead domino. And I thought at first, maybe the solution was just a slice and dice long form content that they were already doing, but I discovered a couple things. Some was, they, some of them were not doing it. And then, even if they were doing it, it was a pretty difficult task to do because long form content has the intent of being long form. <laughs> and long form content doesn't have a place in social media news feeds. In social media news feeds, we are there to either be to procrastinate or to be in discovery mode, and we're looking for snackable content, things that are short. And so if you're going to create short form content, you have to actually lead with the intent of it being short form. <laughs> it's almost more about being like, you you have to actually create content. that's more like when you become media trained for the six o'clock news. <laughs> yeah. We you have yeah. your sound bites down and you're able to communicate very clearly and articulately in 60 seconds or less, some sort of message that piques people's curiosity. That's why I always call, look, the step one, if there's three pillars to demand gen is short form step two is long form step three is controlled form and so short form is a way for you to stay top of mind and consistent and you can get transformation from people if they already know you however if they don't already know you the short form stuff is the hook where they'll hopefully ladder into more of the long form. So the one minute video leads to a two minute video. The two minute video leads to a five, then a 10. Then all of a sudden they're listening to you for an hour. Next thing you know, they're binge watching you like a Netflix series. Well, if someone's binge watching you as a Netflix series or engages with you for an hour, they are a pretty big fan. and <laughs> You're gonna get some sort of transformation. And then the trick is to how do we ladder them up into a controlled form, which is a form of community. And so if you're a SaaS company, this would be a channel partner program. If you were maybe a consultant, this would be maybe a private Slack community or a Facebook community with maybe a course that you can get some transformation around. But the point is you're putting them into a controlled format where you can build goodwill, reciprocity, and continue to keep banking that trust equity. Because you can't control when someone's ready to buy but you can't control the trust you built to them. And the reality is over time, this compounds. And the more energy you put into this over time, the better it is. Most people think they want more leads and more sales. But if you're a high ticket price B2B business with a long buying cycle, that's not really probably the best approach to go about it. It's probably more important to focus on how do I build more trust and more community with my ideal buyers at the end of the day, because if you really pay attention to the people who are buying from you, they don't spend 50,000, 500,000, $3 million, whatever your ticket price is without knowing who the hell they're buying from. And rarely is it based on your marketing funnel or your website or all your content that is there. So what you're trying to engineer is how do we go from zero to building trust right away? And so so th- that's the whole system. At the end of the day, what I realized is there's a lead domino to this. And the reason why there's a lead domino to this is we got to start somewhere with these busy founders and CEOs. And usually that first place is creating their stackable content in a consistent way on LinkedIn. And, and, and once they lock that down, they can then do the next thing. Because what we've done is we've been able to help them create their content in an hour and a half per month, one hour to create it, 30 minutes to approve it or provide feedback so it can get syndicated. If you can't commit to an hour and a half to doing the most basic thing around demand gen, how are you supposed to get into the other things that require a lot more time? And so whenever I'm talking to someone, I'm always asking them the most important question is not how much money do you have, or what do you wanna do, or what's all the cool things. I always ask them, how much time do you have? How much time can you commit to this particular project? How much attention can I get of you? And that will determine what is the right tactic and strategy to pursue.
0: Yeah, this is the challenge that I'll say like content marketing and, and awareness and brand marketing, it's like exercising, you know, it's requires consistency, commitment, and not necessarily feedback in the early phases. But you don't get the benefits of the 100th day without the 99 leading up to it. And we really, really struggle, especially with small businesses and and you know solopreneurs people that are like focusing on product building or you know other things that are core to the business that and they don't have the mindset of like hey if i just like talking to a camera for 20 minutes and i with a function and a goal of like three pieces of value that i can Emote into this camera, and someone else can slice it and dice it and and do that trust building, that brand awareness. And it's personal brands too. I often tell people, you know, number one, we're all in sales. That really that twists people up, right? Like I I'm not a salesperson, but I also know I'm I'm in sales. You're in. We call it selling yourself, right? Like you're selling yourself short when you're doubting yourself. Like we've it's in the nomenclature four things, but that's just it, right? So if I'm a founder, I'm thinking I should be talking to a client in this hour, instead of somebody, well, how do you get that client, right? Take that time with a good partner, somebody who knows how to do this, and then what'll happen is 100 days, 120 days, 150 days in, those little snippets suddenly are, are all over the place, but it's really, really hard like if you were a founder and that's what you were really good at, you'd be the founder of a you know content agency. <laughs> Most people, if you're a product founder, even like I said, a solopreneur, it's great to have a coach, like somebody like you can just say, look, I know I'm your audience, right? I'm the one that I hunt down people on LinkedIn and this is how I find them. And you get the chance to be, overly aware of how to be effective in that minute versus when you give somebody like i need you to talk in and tell me what you do for a minute and it's like well it's complicated and you know like you know i i send all, all, all these people to donald miller i'm like go to the like watch the story brand one-liner workshop and like what is it that makes that foundation up And they really, really start to understand it. And then the funny thing is you get to consult with them. And then there's that weird barrier where they're like, you're gonna create me 20 snippets of content and you're gonna charge me how much? And you're like, well, because I know exactly what those 20 snippets of value are. And if they wait four months, they're four months older, no content. And then all of a sudden they're like, Matthew, I I want to talk to you again about that thing we talked about before, <laughs> right? Like now, because if you don't do content, it doesn't grow. It doesn't get discovered. And was the old the, the Chinese proverb that says, "You know, the best time to plant a tree is twenty years ago. The second best time is now." Okay. And if you're waiting for the perfect landing page, the perfect script, the better camera, the whatever it is man all these youtubers that are millionaires now they started on iPhones bad iPhones because they just got in and did it and when you can imagine you can shave off that coaching to tell you like i can save you the first year that those folks did i can teach you how to make their content and then time becomes the discovery model that helps you to amplify it it's uh, so anyways i'm i i know i'm we're sort of like preaching to the choir a, a bit on this But I want people to understand, like I see it every day and it's you shouldn't have to be good at it. If you're a founder of a company, you shouldn't you shouldn't be this good at this part. Getting a coach, getting somebody to push you through it is such a fantastic thing. So uh, bravo to you, uh, Matthew, for what you and the team are doing
1: thanks yeah it's kind of funny you know like the biggest a lot of people sign up because they think they want more leads or sales or more content or brand awareness or whatever it is or thought leadership but the reality is the the first piece of transformation that happens for them is is because they're forced into a routine of sitting down and creating content with us and because we're doing it privately not in a long form where we can have interruptions and talks or retakes they start to lock down how they communicate or their sound bites. And by them becoming a better communicator, they actually become a better team leader. They actually become a um, better communicator with their existing clients. So they get more upsells and more referrals. And then once we put it publicly, the same thing happens. The first thing they always talk about it is like, oh my God, I'm getting way more referrals in my warm network. It's like, well, yeah, because they're rem- your top of mind continuously you know, and that's, that's, that's the first growth. And then after, once they get through that, then they start craving a little bit more and they start realizing, ah, I need more. I I need more leverage in my life because they realized how much this transformed their lives, that they're able to be consistent and people, you, you know, with their marketing on a regular basis, at least organically. And the cool thing is this organic stuff can easily be sponsored with paid advertising and controlled if you want to amplify it and the best ads actually don't feel like ads, right? So this is actually even better type of content to amplify. And so so they the, the reality is this, they still have this also transformation where I, when they start working with us, I, I start challenging them on a lot of beliefs that they think they have. So like, they think they need more salespeople. I say, you don't need more salespeople. Usually they're the number one salesperson until they exceed sort of, you know, at least two or $3 million in revenue, you really don't need to be hiring salespeople. They just need more leverage. They're just used to doing sales appointments, you know, as a one-to-one experience. And then once we teach them how to do it as a one-to-many experience through a workshop or through 10 minute amplifier videos where they can find more leverage for themselves so they don't need to do a demo. The idea of having more people, you know, to be able to do this melts away, which means they have more money and they also have a lot less problems because the reality is, the more people, more processes, more problems. I know Biggie said, "More money, more problems." It ain't true. It's more people, more processes, more problems. Right. So, so the next stage is always to develop that long form content format that allows you to create one to many selling. They also start to realize that when they're consistent like you said, we're always selling, we're all salespeople in a way. I don't think that that's necessarily the intent that you want to have. I think you want to have the intent of always be helping, but not always be selling. But the the idea at the end of the day is that is a form of selling in a way of content marketing and, and adding value and building goodwill and building reciprocity by putting helpful information or processes or systems or swipe files into the universe that you get to attract the right people and hopefully repel the wrong ones as well too, is when we, when we do that process, they start realizing, ah, I see. I don't, I, I, what I really need is more leverage, you know, and there is a time later on for multiplication, but it's usually much later on in their journey. And, and these are why so many of these busy, particularly first time, you know, CEOs and founders, have so many false starts and it takes them so much longer to get there is because they haven't developed the decision tree of asking, you know, how much effort do I need to put in for how much impact or can I do less effort for bigger impact or what would be the actual lead domino that knocks down all the other dominoes? Right. Right. And can I just focus on that one little piece? I know people talk about it as like the 80, 20 rule or, but it, but really you have to think of it a little bit different than that because that's 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 a later thing of analyzing which i find is reactive versus proactive and this is another thing i always tell them is they also measure their their indicators of success a little bit ass backwards and what i mean by that is almost all of these people when i start working with them they're always looking at lagging indicators of success and that's way too late Right. Right. It's just it's just too late. So for every lagging indicator of success, you need to have at least two leading indicators of of success and know really clearly what those KPIs look like. And if you do, then, you know, you will be able to pretty certainly know (laughs) that that the lagging should work out at the end of the day particularly if you're following someone's footprints who's, who's done it before several times because success leaves footprints and so you don't you don't have to guess right you don't have to make your business the training wheels on something and it could have been someone else's business that did that but if you have that and you have the leading indicator of success you really pay attention to those dials you don't need to worry about the lagging ones that's just the confirmation that that it did work but if you're only looking at the lagging well, you're screwed, right? <laughs> like that's a whole year gone before you figured it out. So, you know, always figure those things out. Like I always tell people, if you're going to outreach to people, you don't need to have an inbound you, you need to have a, have an outbound strategist, not salesy or markety, because you know who your ideal clients and customers are generally speaking. So, why not build the dream 120 list?
0: Right. No, and it's funny you say this the like leading versus lagging on on indicators lagging indicators are only are most valuable when they're tied to the leading indicators and measured as a as like a function of success across the sales yeah. cycle if you're using hindsight to define what was successful you're backing into the answer and we will always like so easy to put confirmation bias into this stuff or to, to then if it took you nine months in a sales cycle to then look back and say, ah, oh, well, this must have been the thing. Then you try that thing. Well, you've got nine months to complete that measurement cycle. What you should have had was up front, like this is this, the thing that I'm doing and I'm going to measure it. And even when I read the most successful sales you know authors and speakers and you know folks like Jeb Blunt who's got great stuff around the idea of how much it takes to generate leads turn them into prospects turn them into opportunities like that whole flow now Jeb is a fanatical what's well, called fanatical prospecting literally like but like his whole thing is what does it take to get to a a warm prospective leads that becomes an opportunity and in the end to your point, Matthew, it's like, don't just keep selling all the time because that's not going to get you. You create awareness. Awareness is built with trust. So don't tell me that you're selling to somebody, telling them that you want to be their trusted advisor, and all you do is shove your products into their throat all day long, just trying to like, you need this. You're everybody's failing because they don't have us. You're like just share their problem with them.
1: Well, it, the problem is this, is that inbound and outbound marketing is extremely limited thinking. Right. It, it really is. And and it was cool at the time, like both work. So like t- outbound was a very 2010 thing. Because of you know um, predictable revenue with Aaron Ross and Salesforce scaling that business, you know it was it was the model, and so then every other business thought they could do the same thing. And then you know fast forward 2014, the hot buzzword was inbound marketing because of HubSpot and what they developed around there and the content, and it was really really cool. And then they and then people got crazy ass crazy with all these sort of like you know what I call Rube gob machines where like you know this funnel to this funnel this lead magnet to this trigger to this you know all this fancy stuff which is super cool but most of it is just a lot of busy work and now that you know it's fast forward 2022 it, it's not fancy anymore no one's wowed by it anymore and both marketing concepts are are very limited thinking because you're only focused on the one to three percent of the people who can buy who are looking to buy from you right now and so right. the the example that i always tell to people is like you know, the biggest businesses in the world are are founders and CEOs who understand the concept, they understand t- two concepts, short term pain for long term gain. And they also understand in a very deep level, the laws of compound interest. And this is why Einstein said it, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, those that understand it, earn it, those that don't pay it. And it, most people are so such short term thinkers. And they think in such short term that they do, that they only focus on the bottom one to three percent who can buy from them right now. So I always ask people this: I go, look, look. It doesn't matter what it is that you do, but let's just take a really simple example. Let's just say you are, let's just say you you are a web design and front end development agency that specifically markets for I don't know let's say B2B coaches or fractional CMOs, like something really specific. Hopefully you've picked a very specific niche in your marketing. And if we took a thousand of those fractional CMOs or B2B coaches, consultants, and put them into a room, and you were to ask them this question, you said, hey, who here is looking for a new website or a website redesign or possibly a marketing funnel, okay, in the next 90 days? Well, one to 3% of the people are going to raise their hand, which is a very small part of that 1,000 people. But what if we change the question? We said, who here out of all this group of people here, these fractional CMOs and B2B business coaches, who here between now and the end of their career will require a website or a website redesign or a marketing funnel? Well, then probably 98% of them are going to raise their hand. So they can all buy from you Right? at the end of the day, the challenge is you just don't know when they're going to recognize the problem and decide to have money to throw at solving that problem. But what you can control is take that thousand people, if, if you had them at an event, you already did it, put them into a controlled environment like a community where you can continue to keep building that relationship with them so that when they are ready to buy, Okay, you will most likely be the first choice or the only choice, or at least you'll get invited, like be able to throw your hat in the ring to participate. And then I find in general, what's great about it is if you truly do have trust, then you can suck at sales or have less salespeople, right? Which saves you money, less people, less processes, less, less, less problems. And you can usually charge more because we don't buy based on price, we buy based on. Trust. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know, <laughs> and and the the rarely is the price ever almost I would say almost ever really an issue most of the most of the time. And if anything, if the price is higher, it usually makes you much more attractive and instantly gives you some advantage in positioning from all of your other competitors who play in the sea of sameness. Right. So, so you know, at at the end of the day. This is why I say inbound and outbound marketing is very limited, but what we want to do is we want to take some of the best practices from that, use the inbound and outbound to shake out those that are in market right now, but really lead with demand gen, and that's what demand gen is today. The challenge why people throw up these things like, well, how do I know that that works is it always comes down to they can't track it in their silly attribution software. Right. (laughs) And because they can't have like a neat PNL sheet where they can show where things are are working or not working, or they haven't actually just figured it out yet, is why it always gets shut down and defaults back to the inbound or outbound stuff because it's very simple metrics for them to be able to see a sales pipeline. How many, how many people do we spam to get into a demo to then get into a, a closed call or Etc. or how many, how many ads, how much money do we spend in ads? Do you have people that download our white paper or lead magnet, which then our SDR spam to get them into our demo or, or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what kind of consulting. doesn't matter whether they, they can see it, it's easy to kind of like piece together. But what they're realizing is they're attracting usually the worst clients. <laughs> they they're treated like a commodity. And when they really do add up all the costs for all those people and all the energy and stress that comes along with it, it's not a very effective system at the end of the day. (laughs) And all they need to do is ask, they just need to do two things, which is create a process on their forms, on their intake forms. It's a blank form that just says, how did you hear about us? That's not like a drop-down option. And they're going to start to get feedback loop on very clearly on what is working, what's not working, because they can't track all these relationships. But if people really know at the end of the day, we know like going to the golf club, the ski club, the supper clubs in the private Slack communities, YPOs, all these, really, those are the things that are actually driving the very best clients and business for us at the end of the day, things that are tied to a relation, a real relationship. And so you'll start to see that appear when you do that, or it'll come from the content marketing or long form content, short form, long form control form. One of those three buckets is going to come from usually all three. You'll be told about that. And then when they get into the sales process, you have to teach your sales team or yourself to ask three questions. The question again is reconfirm. How did you hear about us? Let your customer prospects and clients tell you what they remember, even if it's not accurate, it's what they remember Two, how long have you known about us? So you can understand how, how long they've been the buying cycle. Again, it's probably even short, like whatever they tell you, you can probably multiply it being longer times two because they just didn't realize they were in your marketing funnels. And then three, you know you ask them what was the thing that, that you and you really appreciated that we put out there you know and they can tell you what content pieces or podcasts or white papers or lead magnets or blog posts or or whatever snackable piece of video that you created that just blew their mind um helped them and then you can do more of that and and there will be a pattern that starts to show up very very clear like if i look at my sales pipeline right now like i i i like literally Half of it is from referrals, which is what it should be, like immediate referrals, and the rest is from like literally they say LinkedIn. Uh, The other one says my community, Um, and then I know there's a bunch that I get through doing like mastermind dinners and things like that too. So like this, this is this is just crazy. People are working way too hard, spending way too much money, creating way too many processes to accomplish something really simple at the end of the day.
0: Well, this is the the very interesting thing, right? All the 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 example i'll give as an anecdote is people think like imagine that the kids that play video games today they're like they're they're so good at it their their hand-eye coordination is fantastic like they'll become amazing game developers they'll be amazing game creators and then you have to remind them like you know that amazing game that you're Kids play that gives them this hand-eye coordination that you believe will be the foundation for their future in game development was written by somebody who had Pong. There was no game, so the the skill of today. So this idea when the when the cookie, you know that was it. The cookie apocalypse came along, and they said Facebook, Google, they're having to shut it all down. GDPR, all of these things that were the end of marketing. I had to remind people, I'm like, you know, that all these companies that are multi-billion, now trillion dollar companies were built without cookies, except the ones in the break room. Like that, (laughs) if you had to go back to fundamentals, and that's what I always tell people, like products go away, data goes away. What do you do? And like, that's it. Like build, even if you just talk to somebody, say like, how did you hear about us? Every sales call, it always kills me. I tell people, I'm like, ask them, like, how, how did you find us? You know, oh, that's awesome. You know, how long have you known about us? And it's so funny that these fundamentals, and because immediately they're, they may be a bit guarded, which is natural. Like human instinct is like, you never want to be like, oh, okay, why well, I, I specifically downloaded five white papers. Like, you want to say like, yeah, I, I mean, I saw you on the web. Okay, cool, right? So somewhere on the web, we're getting closer, right? Or I saw you at an event, And you should go into every conversation with that question leading because the worst thing that happens is you get a fantastic SDR with a fantastic machine behind them, but because they're so confident, they see a lead that came through a website or an event and they just immediately go to like, you did this, so therefore you're ready for this. Like They start to lead with we own we know about you and in i've seen it time and time again where they go you know you you know you don't know like you know how do you know about us should have been the opener instead of you were at x and they say well no i i i wasn't there i mean oh i've i've been talking to you guys for a year and a half or like there's get them to share with you and if you get no answer back okay cool right you know they're probably much more guarded but it's like it's a bloody conversation, you know, take the cookies, take the marketing machine out of it. You suddenly have somebody in front of you who's keen to know more.
1: Yeah. Start by asking them. Totally. I mean, that's even a problem at the end of the day. It's like just, it's, it's it's always funny as we're talking, wh- what you're going to start to realize is exactly this. It boils back to the fundamentals. Also, it boils back to a mindset. Like most people don't have business problems. They have mindset problems. And I've been guilty of it. And, and I constantly still suffer from this problem. It's an evolving thing. As you get to the next level, you're always like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that. I was being so limiting in, in my thinking or 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 so forth. So the reality is even with SDRs, you know, it's it's again, it's a mindset thing. It it, it stands for sales development reps, right? We got to rename it. It should be it should be stand for starting deeper relationships. <laughs> and then the way we reward them is based on commissions and appointments booked or you know, closed deals or whatever it is. The comp plan is even structured more to incentivize the wrong things what they really need to be treated is really starting deeper relationships to build a relationship or a community and reward them more like I would I would actually pay them the same way you'd pay pay a client success person you know and give them the same kind of bonuses based on that because it's about really being helpful to people and getting them pointing in the right direction not hitting some weird arbitrary number that the sales manager or sales director or VP of sales farted out to make yeah. the to make the to make the CEO and board members and partners, et cetera, happy. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really crazy. So again, it comes back to this this mindset thing and this limited kind of thinking. And I understand at the end of the day, I'm not trying to get all woo-woo and that we can't have things accountable and that we can't grow, but I've generally found in general working with so many businesses now like holy like B2B business specifically Thousands of them at this point in the last 15 years, including my own. And you have no problem growing when you focus more on trust and community. Like it just, it just, it's a happy byproduct. You, you never miss your targets, (laughs) but we tend to miss them when we're focused on, I need more leads, more appointments. I need the calendar full. We need more SDRs. We need more BDRs. We need more demos because again, it's all about, like you said before, it's about me, 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 right instead yeah. of you 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 you, right you know one's inwardly versus the other one is outwardly outwardly thinking businesses always tend to just do better
0: <laughs> it's uh the weird thing of like the consultative approach the first thing any consultant has to do is get somebody you know to to share their problems which means you have to get them to trust that they are willing to share their problems because they know. Like I've been on the other side of that phone a bunch. You know, I, I'm gonna lie to every cold call I get, of course, because I've been researching this company for seven months. So when they called me, cold call me, because they I finally accidentally fill out a bloody form with a with a real email. Like I've always will be defensive, and then their reaction to it is what makes me care about opening up to them and it's something that we we feel it's like just everybody is human and if we help each other then in the end like look great account executives great uh, account reps you know folks that are in that level of selling there's a reason why they're relationship sellers because they will work for company x They will reach penetration and good market and they'll do good quotas, they'll do good numbers. And then the following year, well, that number just adds 30% to it because we have to keep going up into the right. And they know they've sort of exhausted their main relationship pool. So they go to work for company Y. And they talk to the same seven strong relationships they've got and they sell them the product of company Y, but by listening, because they know they're not, they don't want to burn it down. Cause they want to go to company Z, or Z for those folks So at the 49th. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they want to be able to do this. So they, they've got longevity in mind,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but we need to like move that up. Like an SDRs is a classic. So I'm a, I'm a nerd, right? I came up in tech building technology mm-hmm. and I remembered the SDR is like help desk. And both are fantastic, valuable, necessary, amazing groups of people. But what I was told, because I wanted to be in server development or in like larger scale stuff was, well, we'll get you a job at this company on the help desk and then we'll get you a real job from there. Hmm. And it horrified me because to the recruiter, to a lot of people, that's what it was. But I'm like, no, you understand this is your front line. This is the most valuable entry to the vision of your company is Mm -hmm. how they will handle the relationship in five minutes of a phone conversation. It's and it's like it's such a forgotten thing because we just think like, oh, let's get better call center systems, let's get better ways to track, you know, attach it to their account, tie it to Salesforce, do all this stuff. Great and necessary things in other ways for understanding the intelligence of the customer lifecycle. But in the end, having all that amazing software that ties it all together doesn't do you crap all good if people just want to race to get off the phone because they're displeased with that frontline experience. And that's the Mm. trust. That's the build. Like when you're going LinkedIn, I'm not going to watch the second minute of your video if the first minute doesn't make me actually like pause and go, oh yeah. I get that. Make them care. Huh. Then you can talk about stuff later. You know, it's it's like the totally. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, you know, Ricky Roma sitting at the at the bar, you know, going just talking about wives and friends and family and cars and then, you know, 4 hours later someone's like so what do you sell? Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk to you about that. That's, that's the, you know, <laughs> yeah. like obviously there's, there's deeper psychology underneath it. Like they yeah. are in the end going to move towards the sale, but it's like when it's ready.
1: When it's ready. Yeah. Well, and it's very true. You have to be very patient and, and people don't really care what you do until they know why you care. You know, this is the whole Simon Sinek thing, right? You know, start with why. At the end of the day, and so it's it, it it is true. Even when we're creating Stackable content, this is why we follow the the Aces method for clients, which sometimes throws them for a loop, because they just want to do authority content all the time, or expert content that makes them like thought leaders and so aces method stands for this authority connect engage and show or sell i prefer show than sell and so authority is anything you want to be an expert on you can be a thought leadership or helpful tips on your expertise but connect is something they always avoid which is anything that hits the heart the gut or the funny bone and when you do those pieces that's what makes you likable people always forget we only buy from people we know like and trust And they can't trust you if they don't like you. And they can't like you if they don't know you. So knowing you is about being consistent and increasing the frequency, both through paid advertising as well as organic advertising. Like is making sure you hit all the different notes on the piano. So I always tell people, like, look, if you're going to play one key, if you play one key on the piano, it's a really boring song. You want to play all the keys. And so authority, connect, and then engage is another one that people forget all the time which is you don't need to be the expert on everything. You need to start changing your mindset from being the talent to the talent scout and being able to go to your community and tag people and promote other people, interview other people, or ask questions. Be a really good host of the party to start conversations, right? Be, be, be a provider of goodwill, a person who, who thinks in collaboration right in in general and when you do that you get far more engagement at the end of the day on your content and it's actually easier to do sometimes you just need to ask a question run a poll you know and let other people feed in and ask tag other people who are really smart and the last one is sell or show i prefer show i think that's just where you demonstrate okay Your existing clients transformation where you show before and afters or you show how to do something really cool that gives you credibility that you know what you're doing or you show you give something where it fast tracks someone where you can make someone instantly awesome, right? Like they can get it and immediately apply it, not end up in like your marketing funnel where you're going to try to convince them to end up on your demo or sales call for consulting or services or whatever it may be. Um, But but at the end of the day, that is a form of selling. And so, so many people forget those different notes, like you said, you know, they're not gonna get convinced by just hammering over the head all the time. Sometimes you need to do other types of content and it doesn't necessarily have to be hard, but if we don't like you, we can't trust you. And that that, you really gotta focus on the like part too.
0: Yeah, well, I'll give a a, a funny truth in the, in how it works. Story of measurability not defining strength of the product. Mm. So imagine that I started this podcast selfishly to like figure out how to do it. You know, I'm like, like I've I've always been keen on doing it. So let me do it through work and do it completely with no attachment to work. And it was hilarious because they're like, so you're going to talk to customers, you're going to talk to whatever partners. I'm like, no, no, I'm just going to talk to people that are basically going to tell stories that are meaningful, that people who are customers would like to listen to, regardless of what we do. And I was given, I've been lucky, right? I was given a lot of rope, a lot of time. And so I did it and I, you know, I ran this continuous experiment, and I even had some people from the company and, and I, I, it was always meant to be an adjacency to work as a way to build trust, to just give away content and also sort of like figure it out on my own. Cause in the long run, I thought it would be neat to, you know, start my own. And so yeah. it kept going. Then at one point someone says like, Hey, wait a minute, we have to pay for the hosting for this thing. And like, So what's the what's the ROI on this? Like, where's the where are the metrics? Like, how do we attach and it became a thing of like, how do you attach the when people listen to when they go in the funnel? And I was like, you can't there literally is no, no mechanism to do this. And I I was just told like, well, then maybe we just need to like pull the plug on it. I was like, oh, okay, no problem. You know, makes sense. Totally get it. So then I just rebranded it, called it my own podcast. And then the funny thing was from there, I never changed what I did. I've I lengthened it. I did other things. But the what I did was always core. you know, And the funny thing is now in hindsight, like more people come on sales calls and like in product calls and, and open event discussions, and they'll say, Oh, yeah, yeah. I listened to your podcast. And it's hilarious because the salespeople are, are lit up. They're like, oh wow, that's awesome. Like, how did they know you? And I'm like, because I just keep giving away stuff. And it builds familiarity and trust. And if then they come to me and I show them something that I'm passionate about, that my team is passionate about, and I trust, because I'm my trust is on the line too. If I sit in on a sales call, because I'm not in sales myself, I'm giving my reputation to the experience that that customer is about to have. So I have to trust my sales rep is not going to pound them in the head, telling them that they need this product or they're gonna go away. And and so it becomes the bi-directional trip. But the first thing I have to do is just give it away. And if they come and find it, it's fantastic. It's a beautiful experience because, and then same thing for like LinkedIn content, and I see the way that people are getting so much, you know, mileage out of this stuff because, like you said, it's, it becomes a muscle that they flex. Because you do it in this format, so that they just know, like, ah, it's accessible. They're training their, their amplification muscle, their sharing muscle to this format, and then you get somebody that's really good at getting them to that. Main point, you are like a personal trainer for that process. Hey, in two years, they probably may not be a customer anymore, but that's fine because they're kind of self-sufficient and that's the best thing they can be, right?
1: Totally. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting it, just in general, like even what you talk about the mindset wise at the end of the day, like it, the the people who want to build a boat around their careers and businesses Focus on a community and build a media channel around that community, you know, and they build what, you know, at the end of what I think it's Jeff Kelly first wrote about it. You know, your, your thousand true fans was the essay that was first written back in 2010 or something like that. I know Tim Ferriss is a big promoter of it and there's been yeah. different iterations of it since then. But, um, the point is if you do that and you build true fans or subscribers, right. For, versus sponsors. Okay. So like when you have sponsors, you're a victim to the sponsors. If the sponsors don't like what you're doing, you know, or your boss, like in your situation, well, they can just take it away at any time. But when you have subscribers or a community around your media channel, well, you can decide what you want to do. There's a lot of power in it. There's a moat in in that business. So even like this time with this third business, one of the things I learned from this from the first and second business is I quietly made the money and did well with those businesses but i never and i had a bit of a community privately but not a public one and i realized oh i want to do it again i was like holy crap starting over is hard and i realized ah this time when i do it i'm going to build it publicly as well and much bigger and and i picked a niche that i could live in so my niche is b2b CEOs and founders, there's a lot of things I can create and sell anytime that I want out of that. And, and if you have a real relationship with them, you do what Gary V and other people are doing today, which is they just ask the community, what are your pain points? What do you need to have fixed? And then right. go solve that problem. And boom, instant business right away because you already own the trust in the community. You just need to make a really simple offer, and and you can have an overnight business. That that's a smashing success right away because you chose to be a media company and have subscribers versus sponsors. Like, like you know, you don't see Joe Rogan with sponsors. I mean, he just did. He got one through Spotify recently. That's his sponsor, but it was a hundred million dollar sponsor. You know, but he and if you go right, back yes. and you and you go back and look at his look at his first podcast. Like, there is a joke. But what he did instead was he built subscribers, stayed curious, focused on community, focused on relationships with these individuals, and you know, understood the short-term pay for long-term gain. And you know, you know, a decade later, it's different. You know, and and I can't remember if it was T- uh, Tony Robbins or or if it was Bill Gates, like, is one of these individuals that said, you know, we greatly overestimate what we can get done in a year, but greatly underestimate what we can do in a decade. And the, the reality is, um, that is, there's no, it's so true, you know, yeah. we, we really just don't, don't think of it that way. And these are all things like what you just said are, are hilarious because you keep building disco posse podcast. It's just going to lead to infinite opportunity for you after opportunity, after opportunity, and it builds a moat around your fucking career. Nobody can touch Eric, Wright You know, you're untouchable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's it is an amazing thing. And I I the hardest part I think to to tell people and can to make them understand is that it's a it's a grind, you know. And it's funny, Gary Vee, like you mentioned him, I, I kind of laugh now as we look at, you know, five years ago Gary Vee was the guy who was like looked like he had Coke sweats on stage, screaming at people that if you're not grinding, you're dying, you know, and like 20 hours a day is typical. And if you're doing less, you're a failure. Like he was all about this kind of, they called it struggle porn, right? Like, and, but that was how he got to that point. And then fast forward five years later, and he's doing like cartoon art on the back of napkins and then selling it as an NFT, probably making more money than his first business did now per month off of like adjacent things. But because he has built this community around him and he's built this authority, built this trust, built this world. And so now people are going to, in another couple of years, forget about Struggle Porn Gary. And they're going to be like, like he's got it. It's it's like fortune cookie Twitter, uh, as they call it, for like the fortune cookie VCs. They're the people that are five major exits deep, and now they're and people are like, oh, you've got all this money, you've just got nothing but time to go and 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 be pious on Twitter. You're like no, but this is the next iteration of their career that will get them the next five successful exits because they're then dispensing this advice that got them to this point. And yes, there's hindsight bias. Yes, there's all sorts of things in it, but they're then giving into a community that will grow with them and evolve with them to this next thing. And that's like kind of always been my thing. I'm like, what I should have thrown away when the boss said, there's no value in it. Well, this is gonna be like episode 208. You know, and go back to, you know, to pick Rogan as an example, right? His 208th episode was, you know, him talking with his goofy comedian buddies over a really bad video connection and just pushing it out to to YouTube or wherever it was going at the time, right? Yeah. Now, you know, on the other side of things, we have to be careful when we reference certain large scale things like, v, you know, Gary Vee and Joe Rogan. There's a lot of opponents as much as there are proponents, but take the methodology, Take the the specific human out of it, you know, make it whoever you need to be it's like it's the methodology that we're we're mapping to that's successful, but most importantly is credibility is given to you not coming from you mm. and authority so this is what I want to talk to you about how do you Create authority, but do it with credibility You know, I the first day I published this podcast, it said the leading technology and startup podcast. zero listeners. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I'm like, I have to do it, right? I, so it's working out, you know,' I'm catching up to the moniker. when I was careful, I mean, I wasn't making a huge bold statement, the number one downloaded or whatever. but like so when somebody's getting started, Matthew, what's the what's the way that they can with credibility create that, you know, authority as we continue to seek?
1: Yeah, so I think at the at the end of the day, if you genuinely are actually trying to deliver real results and then actually do it, (laughs) the the results always speak louder than themselves. So, you know, my, my cheat always is, is, is Do it like execute on it and then use that execution so that you can create testimonials like if you look at my 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 silly little website, there's literally a 10 minute VSL on there, video sales letter or what I call an amplifier video which is like a demo of my services <laughs> so best have,
0: thumbnail so- of a video ever by the way so people need to go there i'll have a link to the video <laughs> I was like you're 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 magnificent i love this <laughs> and, and so
1: well we're speaking the truth the truth is people don't like to be marketed to or sold to and the minute they feel it it they their guard goes up and so all your marketing should feel invisible that's what i call invisible marketing funnels I, some people are smart enough to know that it's actually happening but if you can make it make delight people and do you know when people are zigging use zag kind of thing do the opposite i think it's it invisible and but the point is like if you actually deliver results then all you have to do is people are very happy to share the results that they had and that instantly becomes your copy and your your stories afterwards and before you know it is snowballs you do become the number one person for that, you know, at at the end of the day. And the reason why, what I would recommend is that the, the only reason people don't get that transformation is they're usually trying to bite off too much to chew to begin with. So even in my whole demand gen system, where I talked about short form, you know, long form, controlled form, I have 12 other steps that you can do. But our first year, the only thing we focused on as a service was step number one. How do we create the best content snackable content for super busy ceos and founders in b2b yeah. right and just do that smashingly well and then what ends up happening is they end up rolling into the next service as the beta for the next one and the next one and, and you know every sort of depending on the product that we're launching or service at the time it's gonna be 90 days to 12 months to fine tune it just Perfectly. The problem is most people try to do the whole fucking thing, right? Yeah. And and that and that's the problem. So just pick one thing, one problem you can solve better than anybody else, and just smash that one thing repeatedly, and you'll you'll watch yourself become number one for that thing um, before you know it. You can always expand into other things later on, other verticals, other services, but just do one thing.
0: Yeah. Don't don't start with sitting on a couch and then start in CrossFit. <laughs> like that, And that's what it is when people do this, they don't realize they're like, you, you, why don't you just maybe go for a walk and then become, maybe go for a longer walk and then go for a, a gentle run. And that's how you get to that thing. You don't just immediately think like, I got to go buy a weight set. I got to head to GNC and get some protein powder. I got to do all this stuff. That's what we do. That's I got to get Marketo. I got to get HubSpot. I got to tie in this. I got to get Salesforce. Then you're $12,000 a month in products, having somebody from, you know, you're hiring somebody to set up your landing pages and you're doing all the stuff. And it's like, all right, well, what do they get when they go in that funnel?
1: You don't need it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally. Yeah. The person who comes to mind who's really good about backing this off and doing that is James Clear, a really smart dude. Atomic Habits, he wrote yeah. as a book, but I, I prefer his blog at the end of the day, which I think his book is just snippets of his blog, which I think you can sign up for free and get from, but he's, he's a big proponent of that. Like b- back it down. Like you said, like, instead of like, you know, trying to go, to, you can go for a walk, just stand on the treadmill, just stand there for five minutes a day. And the next thing you know, you're going to go, fuck, I'm standing here. I might as well walk and the next thing you know is 10 minutes or instead of doing 20 push-ups a day three times like just just do one or just add one per week or something like that to make it so easy that you can succeed and what, what ends up happening at the end of the day right Eric is this is the reason why people grow and become number one is it, it's really about success beginning success and confidence because you can't win if you don't feel confident and so if you engineer guaranteed wins for yourself it plays well with my understanding of how the human brain works and, and it's been like this for hundreds of thousands of years for humans as we 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 move away from pain and we move towards pleasure right? and so the problem is people set these goals or have to set these expectations even for their companies internally this is the same thing for your team you want to demoralize a team set b that are impossible to hit and then beat everybody up that we didn't hit it or keep telling them how you're we missing it. Like it'd be better for you to set to set very realistic goals that are very achievable and engineered because then pe- people's confidence goes up. And, and, and like I said, success begets success. So, so just back it down, you know, back down yeah. the goal you want to do and build off of that. And if you realize you have a runway of a decade versus a year, you're you're going to get there. <laughs>
0: when you you hit on the beautiful point, and especially james clear is a great example there's many others like this right tim Ferriss's four-hour work week was his blog organized as a book atomic habits is taking working blog content and reorganizing it in a book like obviously he he may have had james clear may have had the idea of the greater vision he was trying to name to aim towards and he may have structured his blog in order to do it but in the end Snackable content is, when compiled correctly, is large, long form, valuable content. But you don't say like, I've never written, written anything before. You know what I'd like to do? Write a Tolstoy-esque level of book because like I think I've got it in me. And I tell even like technical white papers, like, sales white papers. And People always get this thing of like, I need to write an eight page white paper. I said, well, it's really hard. It's actually much harder than you'd think it would be to write eight pages and have form and have beginning, middle, end. Like, So don't write eight page white papers, write one page blogs, and then write a three that kind of relate to each other. And then, oh, guess what? You've got an eight-page, six-page white paper right there, right? You take that, you put some more visuals in there, you put a what's the customer story at the front of it, at the end of it, your call to action of how to get there. When you go into it with the purpose of just sharing content that's valuable for someone to consume without having a strong CTA and everything, you know, like just create stuff that people will care about. And then in the end, you can package it together, and all of a sudden, you're an author. You know, this is how it begins. This, time and time again, we see it. And Smodcast was like one of the early podcasts too. It was Kevin Smith, and he did a book, just like literally, just took them and put it into a book format, and it became a best selling book. You know, we can go countless examples. Ricky Gervais did the same thing. Took his BBC podcast, produced a book on it, became a New York Times bestseller. Now, granted. Other things got him to that point. I certainly couldn't take this and, and turn it into a book just yet, you know, to make yeah. bestseller list. But I always had it in my mind of doing this. In fact, I did a little series specifically with founders, and I got it down to like five key questions I ask every founder. And I was like, oh, this is cool, you know. That's effectively could become a book. You
1: know, it's always there. And well, that's what Tim Paris did. That's what Oprah yeah. did. Even that's what Joe Word does. They're actually experts of nothing. They're just really good at finding experts and asking them the same questions or questions of what to look for and look out for on behalf of their audience because they care about their audience. Even all of Tim's books, except for the four-hour work week, as far as I know, are just snippets of the same question over and over again to a hundred different, really smart people. (laughs) And it's, you know, this big and a number one bestseller. And then what he ended up doing by interviewing that many people, it became a co-marketing book because everybody's featured it and everybody's going to promote it. So it's going to immediately make it a bestseller right away. It's the smartest thing to do in the world instead of making it by yourself, because now they have a stake in making sure that it's successful because they like to say, Yes, I enlisted with these other hundred really smart right. people in the I'm world. alongside becomes...
0: Bill Gates. I'm alongside whatever. Yeah, yeah Tribe, Tribe of Mentors. It's a really, really great book. Yeah. And it's like yeah. each chapters its own standalone <laughs> thing. Founders at Work is another great one. And uh, goodness gracious, I'm I'm terrible with names, but the author, she also happens to be married to Paul Graham, uh of Y Combinator fame. And she just interviewed these founders. And, like you said, just ask the same fundamental questions. The stories built around them were compelling and just package them together in a book. And it was great because it's anecdotal stories, you know, that if you just read it, you know, maybe at the end you find out, oh, she also has a business consulting firm, right? Like, oh, well, she asked really great questions. I'd actually like to connect with her.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. what ends up happening is this is it's actually called the law of transference again. So this comes back to like physics, like actual science and stuff like that. But the law of transference is if, you know, here you are, Eric, right? You are the host of the podcast. And then you interview expert here. And then next expert comes in, next expert comes in, next expert comes in. Well, all the experts come and go, but the constant is you. And then while they're there, they pass all of their expertise and authority to you. Right? Does you know? It doesn't matter if Joe Grogan is interviewing Arnold Schwarzenegger or David Goggins or, or you know, the vice president. He ends up getting all that transferred to him, and he can actually play it dumb and be like, "I'm just a dumb comedian," you know. But yet, everybody just remembers that. So you get to tap into what I call other people's authority (OPA) and other people's audiences (OPA), and it's much easier to do that. Like just to be a really good talent scout and a really good curious individual who cares about your own community to pull it out of there and it becomes all this co-marketing stuff people are working way too hard this is a much (laughs) easier way about doing things (laughs) and anybody can do it right like any anybody could do this if you just genuinely care and are interested then you can do this it requires almost no skills whatsoever
0: (laughs) example as harry anderson who if you're an older fellow like me, he was Harry the Hat from night. He was on night court, uh, but he was a, a magician That's, and yeah. he was a he purposefully did like weird, bad deals. Like he was a guy that would take people in poker like he goes through his sort of career as a bit of a sham, you know, in in how he got some of his money. But it's really cool because he one of the examples he gave in a, I forget what the name of the book was, too, but it's basically just like it how to fool people. And he said, I can take the 10 greatest chess players in the world that you can throw at me, and I will win more than 50% of the games, even though I don't know how to play chess. And so he got somebody to take him up on this deal. He says, but I get to set the scenario. So you find me your 10 players, and I win more than 50% of the games. And so the way that the setup was, you know, I'll paraphrase it, was they all play at the same time, 10 chess boards lined up, black, white, black, white, black, white. He's black on the first one. First player makes their move. He goes to the second board. He makes the same move. And what ends up doing is he's not playing chess. He's just... Moving the pieces, they're playing each other, and he may pick up a move that he can inject in. Right, and this is what doing this podcast has been for me. Is like I can refer to ten other guests that have similar things every time now because I've just been listening and learning enough that now I've got an anecdotal history pool to call from. It's it's kind of cool, and that's. You know, again, you know, I. The other thing I always tell people up front is they say like, "How do I like talk about my product or my service?" I'm like, "You don't need to, because I care way more about your message coming out than you do. You just be you." And this is why I only take guests who I respect in what they're doing. And why you're here, and and so you don't have to sell your services. I'm going to sell them, right? Because if I was looking to connect somebody to somebody that I believe in they're going to go to the links below and they're going to go find Matthew Hunt, right? They're going to see what Automation Wolf is. This is, your integrity didn't need to be given to me. I found it. And and that's also the network effect too. It's like, like you said, your community that all of a sudden you find yourself re-meeting people and maybe their company names change. Maybe their life situation changed. And in the end, we all... We find each other and community is such a perfect description of that because at its core. That's why I like the tech community, that's kind of how I started, was just finding other people that had the same problems that I had and kind of just like sharing trench stories of like, oh man, remember that time we had like a server that went down it was like just goofy nerd technology stuff. But next thing you know, you're hearing like, oh, they're like blogging about it. I was like, ooh, oh, I should do that, right? And we all, you know, grow and, and learn together. And then eventually, you know, whatever new venture you've got, you've got this baked-in community—not audience. It, they may be an audience, but they're they're always. If you treat them like a peer community, that's such a much more respectful way to grow whatever's coming for you and for them because they will one day sell you something. Right. (laughs) And it's okay. It's, it's cool. I say sell it. Like sell is almost like a pejorative. Like it's just, it's a sad thing that we, we attach negative things to it because there are so many, you know, vacuum salespeople kind of like methodologies, but also I'm old enough that I used to have vacuum salesmen. I maybe I'm dating myself on that one.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, birds of a feather want to flock together. So they want they want community. We, we want to understand each other. I mean, people drive around the world to meet other people with the same cars or in the Gulf or even to the same artists. Like people make websites but a particular person. And then even then, those people want exclusivity to that. That's why you're going to see all these NFT membership tokens where you can get access to individuals this is why only fans worked right people wanted access to certain individuals as a little less right. rated but you get you get the idea so, yeah, so- this is the way to go and I like the same thing that you said building a community is better because you're thinking outwardly versus inwardly, you know, I always think of it a, as a building followers or an audience is one to many broadcasting but really you're trying to create a situation where it's one to one where it feels personal, you know, at the end of the day, if you can make it feel like a belly to belly experience like you both broke bread together at dinner, that's how you want it to feel and appear and when you get that. Then, then you know, you know it's a true relationship, and and that's how you know someone will drive 500 kilometers to go have coffee with you, or whatever it is. And that's when you really produce true wealth at the end of the day, not financially, but true wealth at the end of the day of meaning and purpose. And, um,
0: Bingo. and that's
1: and that's that's what ends up, you know, what we're all really after at the end of the day. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but for folks that definitely want to dig in more and I will, I will say that they absolutely should. And, uh, this will not be the last time we, we chat for sure. Both, uh, thanks for having me on, man. This is uh, really, really cool. So, how uh, do they find you, Matthew, if they want to get connected and, and find Yeah, There's out only more two about- places
1: I'm active. So, you can go to LinkedIn and search my name. That's the only social network that I'm active on currently. It's important sometimes to know what to say no to, <laughs> delete and delegate, is what I would say. And the other place is Automation Wolf right now, which is spelled exactly the way it sounds automation and then wolf.com.
0: And it's uh, it's worth the trip. Like I said, being able to to spend time with you's been been fun. I probably spent way more time talking on this podcast than I should have, but uh, it was just fun to, you know, you inspired me understanding why stuff has been meaningful, you know. And sometimes that's what it takes, right? And that's why even when you're coaching people and helping them to understand what's meaningful. It's like the outsider is much better at pulling meaning out of what we do than us digging into a hundred hours of content and finding the one thing that's like, let somebody pull you through that, that that are a guide. And, and that's why I love this. The the method you use is is cool. So there you go. So if you all go to automationwolf.com, you're going to be, you will be richer for having done it. I can tell you that. And also, uh, and just it's been a real pleasure. So there you go, folks. Follow the links below and uh, yeah, hang tight. we got hundreds more of these podcasts coming. I can say that confidently now. I'm like, there's a day where I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> and now I'm like, this is it. It's so much fun and uh, I learn every day and you taught me a lot today, Matthew.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Eric. I really appreciate being on the podcast.